A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 164 of Confessions of a Marketer, light a fire under your sass. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Nicholas Vandenberg is in to discuss B2B SaaS products and lots more. We'll get to that in a moment. Next week, the final, at least for now, Confessions of a Marketer will feature Keith Cartwright on starting his new agency, Cartwright, which he started with the backing of WPP amid COVID-19 and the racial tensions. We'll discuss all of that, plus creative audacity and his side hustle, Saturday Morning, a nonprofit that aims to bring awareness to and shift perceptions of racial bias and injustice. Looking forward to that, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. The next episode will be the final one for Confessions of a Marketer, at least for now. The podcast will probably come back on this feed in a month or two, but in slightly different form. I'm thinking of something a bit broader in scope. More to come next week. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. Okay, Nicholas Vandenberg is in for a discussion about B2B marketing. Nicholas runs Chili Piper. You'll learn about the origins of that name when we start our interview in just a moment. And he says it can turn inbound leads into qualified meetings instantly. He started and sold lots of startups. 
And then he saw an opportunity in sales tech. So we get into everything around B2B marketing, whether people want hyper-specialization or all-in-one, meeting the needs of customers, making revenue teams more productive, and lots more. This was a great discussion. Really enjoyed it. So let's get to it. Nicholas, it's great to have you on Confessions of a Marketer. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me about your background and the evolution of Chili Piper? And I'm really interested in how you got the name. Sure, let's start with the name. So we started Chili Piper four years ago, 2016, with my uh, co-founder, who also happens to my, my wife, Alina. She was running product at uh, Bloomberg and at Pearson at the time. And uh, we wanted to go after uh, sales tech, helping salespeople do their job. That's a mission that we I've had in mind from the beginning for Chili Piper. And if you think sales, you think pipeline. So we were looking for something around pipeline. And we read this quote that said, he who pays the piper, call uh-huh. the, the tune. Right? I said, well, that's a cool quote. Like, uh, I'd love to call the tune. So so we said, pipeline, piper, that's a good thing. And then the play on word came Chili Pepper, Chili Piper. And oh, that's, that's, that's the name. So we, yeah, it was indirect. But that, that, that's sort of a perfect name. It sounds good. It's uh, get the sense of heart. Something is hot. We actually use it uh, all over our communication. We have our tagline, which is uh, light a fire under your sass. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> More than one meaning there. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the story of the name. The story of the company is it's my fourth startup. So I've done startups before. I grew up in the south of France. And then I went to a called Polytechnique to study math. So I was very far from entrepreneurship and, and I decided that I wanted to travel. And I thought that I would want to go to Asia and, and live there and, and make a stop in California. And I applied to Stanford Business School. And after three trials, they got me there. And I was thinking, okay, that's great. Two years stop and then I'll move on to Hong Kong. And a classmate of mine, Steve Jerverson, invited Steve Jobs to come to talk to us. Hmm. And at the time, Steve was running Next, and the joke was it was going next to nowhere. Yeah, right. But still, it was very, very inspiring. And uh, he sat on the floor and told us how he was changing the world. And I thought, wow, that's such a cool profession. I didn't know existed this uh, tech entrepreneur uh, idea. So I decided that I would do, and I stayed in the Bay Area, and I started my first company and sold it and another one. And more recently, I decided to start Chili Piper because I saw an opportunity in the world of sales tech. I was running a sales team for a friend of mine, big telecom company, and, and my uh, sales people were reluctant to use Salesforce. And right. people said, oh, you have to don't pay their commission if, uh, if they don't put their deals in Salesforce. And I'm thinking, you know, my daughter, I don't have to say, uh, I won't give you your allowance if you don't use your iPhone. Yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> and she enjoys it. And that's where software should be. So that's where I thought we, we have to go and change that that world and bring the right tools for salespeople to deal with their buyers. There's more and more pressure, pressure in, in engaging with buyers and they cannot have a tool that they are reluctant to use. So that's how we got started. Yeah. How do you think your, your background and starting four companies and being a CEO and having to make payroll, how do you think that impacts the way in which you approach your customers? Well, our culture uh, decided when we started the company that uh, our first core value would be help. 
Yeah. And by that, I meant we all help each other. And like you said, you know, when you, when you uh, have to make payroll and you have to get revenues, you can take some shortcuts and say, well, I'm just going to sell whatever sells. But at the end of the day, the way to build a solid business is to provide, not only provide value, but feel that you're helping your customers or they, they feel that you're there for, for you. Sometimes we fail at it and I see, uh, I get emails where I see, say, uh, People get value from our software, but they, they, they get pissed off and, you know, they say, we're going to leave. And that's not because our software is not good. It's because they don't feel we're helping them. Mm-hmm. So, so that is definitely something that has come from my, uh, my previous experience and from my role as an entrepreneur. I've always thought of myself as CEO, as, in, as there's a word for him that's used a lot. I think the servant CEO or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely thought that it's my job to uh, develop my employees. If I bring somebody on board, until that person comes on board, I have no responsibility. But once they're on board, then it's my responsibility to help them grow. Yeah. And, and it can happen that I would not succeed. I remember the first person I uh, fired sent me a thank you note. And I was very, very touched by it. And she said, I really appreciate it. You've tried really hard and, and I can see, and sorry, it didn't work out, but uh, I really appreciate all the efforts you made to help me. Yeah. So it's the same thing with customers and same thing with, uh, with employees. Uh, it's all about uh, helping uh, one another. That's something, if you can get a thank you note for firing someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'd rather not have to fire somebody, but sure, sure. I think that's a standard we should all be held to uh, as we are in leadership positions. Um, you know, we at, at City Paper, we never fire somebody if you're not meeting their objectives. Yeah. Because we think it's our responsibility for people to meet their objectives. We only yeah. decide to part ways if we think that it's not going to be possible to meet the objectives. And that's not because our objectives are wrong, but because the person is, does not have the right foundations to get there. Yeah. And I think people understand that. And uh, we always try to help and finding a better position. Uh, a lot of our, our employees have changed position to move to a place where they're happier. And we try to always do that. That's really been an interesting. It wasn't something I was anticipating talking about, but that kind of respect for your employees isn't just something that is limited to the inside of your company. It actually gets reflected out. So having that kind of culture inside Chili Piper will help you land accounts, right? I mean, it's not something you do just to take care of your employees. It takes care of the entire business. Yes, I would do it even if it didn't. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. It's the right thing to do, right? Well, I think the large problem of the planet right now is this uh, hostility that you see everywhere. Yeah. In, in politics, you know, people go, they, see, they say like awful things about uh, the other party and then when an extreme hostility doesn't need to happen. Sometimes I have my reps coming back say, oh, that prospect is an asshole. Mm. And I say, we never call a prospect an right. asshole. <laughs> we just don't do it. And we don't think it. We just think he has a different view and may be difficult to work with, but we never turn into hostility against anybody. Yeah. Not our prospect, not our competitors, not our employees, of course. I think it's something that's going to be more and more common in the future. Already there's a lot of uh, great work in uh, stopping bullying in schools, right? Yeah. And I think we humankind are starting to understand that uh, if we want to live happy, we have to get rid of this hostility. Yeah. And so I'm doing my little piece. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I want to talk about digital marketing. Yeah. And digital marketing usually gets thought of 
when it's a brand like Coca-Cola or some of the big consumer products, but B2B does a lot of digital marketing. It's the bulk of my career has been in B2B. Mm -hmm. And how should it change when you're dealing with B2B SaaS products? What's the, what's the key there? So B2B marketing, uh, has become uh, and is becoming more and more specialized. We just hired a chief marketing officer, uh, Jim, a fantastic guy, last November, and he's building up his team. And I see how, how he's picking each piece with extreme uh, caution because each piece has become so specialized from uh, demand gen to content marketing to product marketing. You know, it's ironic because I started my career, I didn't mention it earlier, but uh, when I finished Polytechnic and doing math and computer science, I thought it was all boring and I wanted to do something more fun. So I went to work in marketing for Procter & Gamble yeah. in, in B2C uh, marketing. Uh, so that's like an MBA in itself, right? Yeah, that's what people say. Yeah. that I've learned a lot about marketing soap, but unfortunately, a few decades later, it's completely irrelevant. It's just no longer the way things are done. Right. And marketing for B2C is done completely different. Marketing for B2B is, is, is done completely differently. So besides the fact that it's very specialized, there's one thing that uh, that is obvious is that it's a lot, lot more data-driven because now there is data. And if you don't use the data to uh, drive your choices, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table. And the other piece is that it's moving much faster. Everything is moving much faster because... Buyers have more choice. They can switch from one vendor to the other in no time. It used to take forever to reintegrate. No, it's no longer the case. So in SaaS, the, the, the big thing that's happening is that there are a lot more options. I was looking at the, in MarTech now, there's more than 1,000 right. vendors. In sales, in sales tech, there's more than 800 vendors. And there's probably an underestimation. So there's a lot, a lot of options and people change very quickly. So that's how marketing has changed, that you have to act fast. Our product at uh, Chili Piper um, is right along the, the, this trend. What we found is that, um, so it was actually completely fascinating, companies tend to have the same process for their inbound. So they spend a lot of dollars in digital marketing. And then when somebody comes to the website, that prospect fills the form, clicks submit, and that's the end of the, or used to be the end of the B2B marketing job. There was a qualified lead that it's, or a lead that it's a marketing lead that had uh, submitted a form and uh, now was moving on to the realm of uh, yeah. the sales world. And what we found is that when they submit this form, they get a thank you page, thank you, somebody's going to call you. And they wonder well, who is going to call me when. And that process is incredibly inefficient to the point where companies lose more than half their pipeline. So the, the number is actually 60%. Most companies lose 60% of their meeting requests in that handoff between marketing and sales because sales cannot act fast enough to get this prospect engaged and remain remain uh, interested in the product. So, And I remember talking to salespeople. I say, how are you doing? I say, I'm doing really well. I'm converting at 40%. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you mean to tell me that 60 people who wanted to have a meeting with you didn't, and you think it's great. And the reason why the thought is great is because sales compared to outbound, where the conversion is 3%, right? You reach a lot of people, you get uh, 3% of meetings. But now in mind, it didn't make sense. That's a problem we decided to solve, but that's very much related to what we were discussing. There's a new trend in B2B marketing that things have to be much faster. So what we did at uh, Tilly Paper, we came up with a solution that we call concierge, where 
upon form submission with a smart JavaScript that takes the form data in real time, qualify the prospect, find the rep that should take that prospect, dial the rep, dial the prospect, put them in touch, and now they're connected immediately. And if that's not possible, then we retrieve the calendar of the rep, we retrieve the availability, and we have the prospect book a meeting so the prospect is, is now confirmed and, and engaged. So that doubled conversion rates. We went from, our customers go from 40% to 70 or 80%. But that's a good example of the changing world where you cannot afford to wait and be inefficient and continue the good old ways. Uh, it doesn't work anymore, especially if your competitors have moved on to more effective technologies, then you're going to be losing business very quickly. Yeah. So what do B2B SaaS customers want? Do they want a highly specialized product or do they want a single pane of glass all in one? If I had to choose between the two extremes, I would definitely say uh, that right now specialization is winning. I mean, there's a reason why there's more than a thousand tech companies and 800 sales tech companies. Mm -hmm. It's because people want the best of, of breed. There's something fundamental that is enabling that. It's actually a simple internet protocol called OOS. Mm -hmm. So, because now you can OAuth into anything, you can access the data from anything, and you can integrate anything with everything. So I can OAuth into uh, Microsoft Outlook, then I OAuth into Marketo, then I OAuth into Salesforce, and now the three are connected. And it's exactly what we do at uh, GD Piper. And OAuth is three clicks, yeah. right? So where in the past it used to be that you called uh, Accenture and have them come and integrate these systems, now you have a, a regular user clicking a few buttons and that thing and everything works together. So because there's such a, a low barrier to integration, then you might as well add a little tool that does a little something, right? So let's say uh, prospecting, for example, we use Zoom, Zoom Info and Clearbit and Lead IQ. So we use three tools and they all work really well because we, uh, they all integrate with our CRM, they all integrate with our uh, prospecting uh, tool and it's very easy. So that's pushing the trend towards uh, best of breed instead of uh, one big solution. If you have one big solution, you are going to find some pieces that are not optimal, and there's no reason to keep that under optimal. You have to think, in our, in our um, solution concierge, you have to think, realize that the cost of the solution is a tiny fraction of the money at stake. So in our case, when we, you, so our solution is um, $300 a year user, right? So let's say you have 10 salespeople, it's going to cost you, cost you $3,000 for the license plus $2,000 for the platform. So $5,000 yep. a year. Yep. And then for these $5,000, you're going to double your inbound pipeline. And you know it's probably millions of dollars of revenues at stake. So it's, it's very often the case for a SaaS solution that the value they provide is 100 times the, the cost. As a result, you'd be, a, I was going to say a fool, but at least you'd be economically irrational to say, I oh, know I just want one big solution that does it all, and I don't want to have to deal with this little... Uh, optimization, local optimization in different places. Yeah. So that, that that's what's happening right now. And that's the reason why you see this explosion. Now, I'm not saying that eventually some vendor, uh, or, or some of the vendors may not be able to do best of breed in multiple points. And therefore, of course, it's simpler if it's all from the same vendor. But it's it's a tough challenge because the world is moving fast, right? If you have to be the best uh, on multiple uh, yeah. Solutions you you have to have a strong product and engineering team, and a lot of those all-in-one solutions aren't really one solution, right? They are multiple solutions that were acquired and knitted together. So, in fact, they're That's they're right. specialized solutions that just happen to be packaged together. They may not all work the same way, and they may not even look the same. 
That's a very good point. A very good point. Something that has completely puzzled me recently is when Salesforce acquires a company, you think the market is not dead. Mm-hmm. And what typically happens is the exact opposite. When they, they bought these social media companies, uh, um, what, was the, what was the name of them? Uh, Buzz Media, uh, one of these. Yeah. Uh, it felt like that was the end of the market. And then you got all these new companies like Sprinkler and Sprout and coming to the market and grow really fast. And it, it works the opposite. Uh, Salesforce, so these big companies validate the yeah. space and then and then somebody else comes, and because uh, they're not really, as you mentioned, they're not really part of the same solution, they, they, they have to be integrated to might as well just go with a better solution from a, another party. Yeah. yeah. I want to understand how, especially these days, we're recording this in late April of 2020, and you know we're all beset by COVID-19. How can a B2B SaaS business meet their customers where they are. What's the right strategy to find those customers? I've got to say first that we are a little bit lucky, uh, or fortunate, I should say, at uh, Chili Piper, because from the beginning, we decided to be a fully remote company. Smart. So, and we didn't do that because we thought a virus may come and that would prove uh, convenient. We did it because we thought there are smart people all over the world and we should go and find them right. and we shouldn't restrict our recruiting to a particular city. So right now we have 42 employees in 36 cities in 16 countries. Wow. Yeah. So I think what other SaaS companies are finding is that uh, this working from home uh, can work very yeah. well. That's the uh, thing. So as a result... I'm finding that SaaS companies are less affected than other companies mm-hmm. because they are able to operate uh, very efficiently, even in the current uh, strange uh, climate. Then the question, I think, the second part of your question is: uh, Okay, so where do you find your customers? Not, not uh, there. So we did something uh, only on the chili pepper when when the crisis started. We looked at which verticals uh, would get negatively affected which verticals were most likely neutral and which verticals were potentially positively affected. So in the positively affected, the obvious uh, example is Zoom, right? Going from 20 million to 300 million active users in, in six weeks. That's a nightmare, isn't it? That. <laughs> I don't know. It's like winning the lottery, yeah. right? So that, that's one extreme. But they are, it's not only Zoom. There are a whole bunch of companies that are, mm-hmm. that are doing extremely well because because of the crisis. And then the other extreme, uh, all these uh, travel companies, obviously have a hard time because nobody's traveling anymore. So we've had some customers who had to uh, reduce their, their staff. I don't know if they had to, but at least they did and uh, not buying anything. So we did these buckets and we quickly refocused our effort on obviously the most promising bucket who's uh, benefiting from the crisis and at least to the neutral. And that's reasonably easy to do. So your question was, how do you find these SaaS companies and buyers? And that's uh, definitely the first step in finding them. Then the other thing is because people are, by definition, all online, right? Because everything is not down online. Yeah. Then, then the digital marketing is, is even more critical. So and it's working even better. So right now, our pipeline has increased uh, compared to uh, December and January because people, more people are online and have more time to, to do their research. It puts even more emphasis on uh, digital marketing. It's increasingly a a more digital world than it was in in February. Indeed. 
So revenue streams, boy, I bet most of the people listening to this right now are really focused on their revenue streams. How can they become more effective, more efficient? And does there need to be some kind of cultural change baked into the DNA of a company with you know, management, marketing, and sales, and all those working together? Yes, absolutely. One is what I just mentioned earlier, that you have to get even better at targeting. But the other piece is also what we discussed earlier around speed. You cannot afford to have uh, breakpoints in your process. Your sales, marketing, customer success, account manager, they all have to work together in a much more efficient way. Because uh, as everybody's online, now things move even faster. People uh, I mean, to switch from one vendor to the other is no time. All the different teams have to collaborate much more closely. We see it in the uh, emergence of a new job title, which is um, revenue operations, mm-hmm. right? It used to be with marketing operations, sales right. operations. That's not the way to do it. It's a revenue operations. You have to look at it holistically. And that's completely critical. I mean, every company should move to, towards revenue operations and, and break the silos between... That's the basics to do that. And that will enable these companies to to move uh, much faster. But for sure, they have to collaborate and be much more accountable. So we're finding that more marketing uh, teams now are held on uh, at least pipeline generation, if not even revenues, as opposed to just leads. Yeah. Because, you know, generating leads is not so useful. You have to uh, make sure that you're really uh, helping your sales team. And you see this SLA between sales and marketing. So it, it, that collaboration is more and more critical. Yeah. An attribution in the model you're describing now shouldn't be an issue, right? It's, it's still a difficult issue yeah. around the attribution. But th- there are more and more better and better tools to do it, uh, this attribution. Everything uh, is not. So it's not possible to do the right attribution. I think what you're implying that people shouldn't fight and who should take the credit for what. And that's I completely agree. Yeah. In Achille Piper, we, uh, for example, we... We double the commission between account executive and account managers uh, because account managers are supposed to expand the revenue, account executive, uh, the hunters. But uh, you want to reward hunters for hunting companies with potential for expansion. And so, and you also want to reward the account managers for this expansion. So, um, the, the uh, double compensation, I think, is, is more and more common because yeah. you want people to work together and not have, uh, uh, to fight for their turf. Yeah. Well, this has been really enlightening, Nicholas, and I really appreciate you joining me. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. Next time, Keith Cartwright on starting his new agency. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time. Mm-hmm.